We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 468 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and it is just me again today. Unfortunately, yes, I was scheduled and was assuming I was going to be having a, not say important, but somebody who is deeply entrenched in Catalan media, but unfortunately, his busy schedule had him have to cancel again. So that means it is just me today. But don't fear, I will, instead of just commiserating my loneliness, I will be answering basically the questions that I was prepared to ask him. And I went through and tried to figure out the best answers to those questions. So it's basically going to be the same show, except there is no insider Catalan journalist to be joined on the show. But again, hopefully I will be having him on somewhere in the near future. That said, there is still big enough news that I want to get into because I don't want to miss the opportunity with Real Sociedad tomorrow. That might change some of the talking points, but I want to make sure we don't miss some of these big topics. So let's get into it. Topic one here is that Alemani isn't going anywhere. And we made a joke last week. Levon and I about how I've never learned how to say his name properly. And I think that's going to continue, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing that I can continue to not say his name right because he is going to be returning to Barcelona. And, you know, you don't really see these about faces too often in world football, especially behind the scenes. But apparently just that trip to Birmingham was enough to convince him to come right back to Barcelona. And it is said that Alemani wants to continue the project he started when he joined Barca. That is what obviously came out of the Barca PR machine. But exactly why he decided to not join Aston Villa has not been revealed, and I also don't think it ever will be. Whatever issues he saw there, whatever cracks, I think it had a lot more to do with, and if we are to believe was being reported, it had a lot more to do with him not being fully convinced about what was going on over there and kind of, I guess, saying, well, I'll take the lesser of two evils. That's the evil I already know in Barcelona, which does, again, give a lot of stability to them. It's also not known what role, if any, Deco will have going forward. However, it has been suggested he could become Alemani's right man, which right-hand man, which also brought up the ideas of Alemani and Jordi Cruyff, who is definitely going to be gone on June 30th. I can't see him having an about phase either, but it seems like maybe the issue is between those two. But to my understanding here, Alemani is the main contract negotiator, hence his understanding of the league's rules, at least until they change every day on a whim. But he is the director of football and then the sporting director, which was Jordi Cruyff. That's the person who identifies talent and begins talks with agents and begins gauging interest with those players, which does make me question. We'll get into some of those transfers 
as we go throughout this show, but it does make me question the Kimmich stuff because if Alemani was on his way to Birmingham, I mean, I know it's still technically his job and Jordy Corf is till June 30th. I don't know how those two were planning on swinging a big move like Kimmich and why that would all come to the forefront with those two kind of in limbo in the last few days. It makes me not necessarily trust some of those rumors that we hear, but we'll get into the Kimmich stuff later. Because again, for now, it seems like it will be Alemani continuing on in his job as a contract guy. And then Deco taking over for Jordi Cruyff, which to be honest, is kind of the best way forward for Deco that as a former talent, as a former top level player, he may have that eye for talent. He may have had it in Brazil. And we can't fully understand the players that he was targeting or looking at then because Maybe Barcelona did have contacts. There's just so much we don't know. They might have had conversations with some of the key talents that Deco had pointed out to them that had said, hey, you should be early on this kid. And maybe their clubs defiantly said no. And so Barca said, all right, we'll talk in another two or three years. Or if you want to go somewhere else to the EPL or whatever, and other teams are talking to you too, so be it. So we don't know the talent that Deco did identify that didn't wind up coming to Barcelona. Like All we know is the names that Deco has pointed out. Even an Angelo, he has said, this is a kid that you want to look at and consider bringing to Catalonia and fair play. So I am much more comfortable with the idea of Deco as a sporting director next to Alemani than I am him at all. Because every sporting director starts somewhere. Is this the proper moment <laughs> with the margins of the finances being what they are for Deco to fail? No, not really. Just like I said last week when I thought it was just going to be him. He basically has one shot to get it right. I hope he does get it right. And if he does get it right, then Laporte seems like a genius that he was, we'll say that he went with one of his friends again. But if it all falls flat and the players that Deco identifies don't work out well, but again, I think Alemani has his opinions on those players too. And it's going to be a lot of Xavi working with Deco, working with Alemani. And you'd hope that there is some kind of synergy between all that and Laporte giving the final say. Obviously, the Ruben Neves stuff from last week is worrisome too because you don't really know who is pulling the strings there. And you go, well, Mendes, who's the agent of Ansu Fati and Balde and Laminia Mall, is he the guy actually saying, hey, you got to pat my back on Ruben Neves for $60 million, or I'm not going to be able to pat your back on that contract extension for Balde, which is already agreed upon with a $1 billion euro release clause. All that to say is when you throw around blame and take sides and stuff behind the scenes, again, we really don't know. We have no idea who's deciding what, who's who, and even the things that are reported. Whose camp is reporting that stuff? Why is that stuff being leaked to the media if it's so secret and taking place behind closed doors in meetings? So who knows about all that stuff? All we know is the stuff that Laporta says in press conferences that the club decides to put out from, again, their, their PR machine, what Xavi says in press conferences because he does seem to talk with great earnest. So as I always say with Xavi... Not a lot of BS on his side from the very beginning. And that makes him a much easier manager to cover than others who are a little more secretive or close to the vest like Ernesto Valverde was. I can say that covering Xavi is a lot easier because he is pretty forward and honest with what he thinks and where he sees different players in his team. So topic two, even with Alemani and Ducco, it does not mean that anything is going to be easy in the transfer window. So one of the questions I was going to ask the journalist is, who is the key to the transfer window? And I don't think this is so straightforward. We heard that Rafinha wants to stay. Xavi wants him to stay. But as I've said before, an 80 million euro sale for Rafinha would mitigate a lot of headaches. And while I think we have some idea of some of the numbers, the salary deductions for Ter Stegen and De Young, who I don't expect to hear nearly as many rumors about leaving, that being De Young, those could be huge things that maybe the club has already gotten those players that agree to extend their contracts. And again, it's a lot easier to extend contracts of guys in their late 20s and early 30s, especially with a goalkeeper that you'd expect to be there for a few more years. Or is it a salary reduction for Jordi Alba? Is it really wise to extend Alba's contract 
for another year or two to space out his owed payments? Because certainly Jordi Alba is going to get the money owed to him. He's not going to take a Gerard Piquet type situation because Jordi Alba can still play professional football for a number of more years. He still has two or three years probably left in him in a way that Gerard Piquet just didn't. He was ready to hang up his boots in a way that Alba wasn't, in a way that it doesn't look like Alba is anytime soon. That's why those rumors about Jordi Alba going to Atletico Madrid probably popped up. It's either the club or somebody saying, hey, Jordi Alba, maybe, you know, would you prefer to play over there for X number of money? You're still professional. You could still contend for a Liga title. Atletico Madrid certainly on the up and up. And I actually do feel like that would be a loss for Barcelona and a win for Atletico Madrid. But as I always say with Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid and Sevilla and Valencia, wherever it may be, if Barcelona players, just like even Rakitic, go to a team like Sevilla, they still got to handle their business game in and game out. And to Xavi's point, you only worry about the next game and you only worry about the team in your locker room. So if Jordi Alba was in somebody else's locker room, Barcelona would still have the talent to win the Liga. But if they don't bring in anybody else to back up that left back spot, yeah, well, it's going to become a lot more difficult to move Balde up to the left wing. Because then you basically have Alejandro Balde. You're asking him to be your best left winger and your best left back. And that doesn't work over the course of a season for a young player who's still going to have his ups and downs. Because I want to remind people that the transfer window, for as excited as the club may be, obviously this week they came out with some kind of rumor or somebody, maybe Laporta had said that they expect it to be a history-making transfer window. Of course, everyone's always going to say that. And if it comes from Gerardo Romero, he knows something. He knows about maybe the capabilities and possibilities that Barca has if they get that financial plan approved by La Liga. Yeah, maybe they can pull off some big things. But the biggest reminder, too, is that the club doesn't know everything. The messy example, if any lesson was learned from that, is that the club doesn't entirely know what's going to be happening to it financially. And as I said, who is key to the transfer window is a lot more to do with who's leaving or who's taking salary reductions than it is about who may be coming. We cannot begin to really answer those questions until we know who's going the other way and how much money there is to spend. That's why I have to throw out those commits to Barca rumors. I saw that Sport came out with a 50% chance that commits would come to FC Barcelona because he's going to push for it the way Lewandowski did. For starters, he's 29. Lewandowski was 34 or 33 when he started pushing. So, I mean, Kimmich, of course, dream situation. People could go back six years when he was 22, 23. And I was saying, Bayern Munich have this up-and-coming future star. After Busquets and the likes of Conte, there was supposed to be a next group, a next generation of defensive midfielders or players who are more defensive-minded in the midfield. And I know he played right back a lot too, did Kimmich as he was coming up. But it was supposed to be who? Kimmich, Pogba, that was supposed to be that next generation from 26 to right now would be 26 to 30 around that age. And Kimmich is the only one just beyond everyone else in his generation, everyone else in his class. And yeah, of course, he would be the perfect player for any team, though. He improves any team he goes into. I think he's one of the best at his role in his job in world football. He's had his issues, of course, in the ways that Bayern have when the team isn't playing well, he isn't playing well. But that is the life of defensive midfielder. If your team is struggling to put in goals, if your team is struggling for its identity in a game, then some of that blame is, of course, going to fall on not your pivot, but the metronome, the guy that dictates the pace of a match. So that is where some of the criticism has come to Kimmich from Bayern Munich fans. But yeah, of course, I'd be over the moon about Kimmich. There's no denying that. But I also, at 80 million, would say, yeah, if the club can afford it, you go out and you solve a huge problem. Because again, who gets you to compete for a Champions League next year? I'm about to talk about Messi next, but... That's really the question I'd ask you. Is it Messi or is it Kimmich? Who helps you get closer to a Champions League title next year? I think most of us, with any practicality, would agree that it's Kimmich. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. But as I'm about to start talking about Messi, is it better for Barcelona for Messi to be the one to arrive instead of Kimmich for $85 million or whatever it would be to take him away from Bayern Munich? Not saying the club can afford that. Because it seems like Messi on a free transfer, even what he would ask in wages, would be a similar number to Kimmich or less. So Messi is actually the easier deal. Try to wrap your head around that one for a second, but that's how big of a name Kimmich is. So then I go back to the other question. Is Messi returning a good thing? And this is where I do miss having my guests come on today because I've been severely noncommittal as I allow guests to give their opinion. And as you've noticed, I haven't truly given mine. And one of the gifts that I could give you is saying, I don't know, because I still haven't made up my mind if Messi returning is a good thing or not. There's a part of me that practically says, of course, he's going to bring in revenue. He's going to pay for himself. And he's the best player of all time who still has a lot left to give. So how, when you add that player to your team, does it not make you better? But then I look at the numbers and there's a practical part of me that says, but I know everyone is seeing this through rose tinted glasses because it's true. The positives for Messi returning probably sorely outweigh the negatives. Because yeah, if you have to choose between Messi and Ansu, or less likely Messi and Rafinha, you choose Messi in those situations. Because Messi, as I always said with Busquets, he's a known commodity. Even if he is losing half a step and you do have to surround your team with players that support him and you have to change your entire system back to support him, the pros of doing that for even a season or two might be worth what Ansu can or cannot give you the hypotheticals in the future. Because even if Messi arrives, you basically look at what he did for PSG, maybe not in the World Cup, of course. That was a knockout tournament where he truly gave 190% in every one of those games to win a World Cup and make history. But you know largely what you're going to be returning this season in Messi. And that might, even in the next year or two, make up for the next six years of what you'd be trying to get out of Ansu. Or even Rafinha. What is Rafinha going to give you for the next two or three seasons? Maybe Messi gives you more than that in the next year or two. That's very possible, knowing of what we know of Messi and knowing with what the level he's currently still at. But as you know, the pragmatists in me say, well, if we're asking bigger questions, like if you surround Messi with the team that best supports him, does that put Gabi on the bench? Does that stunt Gabi's development in a way that he doesn't come back from? I brought it up in the last show. What if Messi returning means that Xavi, system-wise, is much more comfortable starting Jordi Alba on the left side than Alejandro Balde? So he winds up not working well with Messi, that means he doesn't look as lively and as good as he was this year. And so now his development is stunted. What if re-signing Messi means that you don't get to sign 
XYZ player, maybe Azuba Mendy, or as I said, an Ana Martinez, or Vita Roca. Then Vita Roca goes out. You can't cry over spilt milk if a player like Chuamani goes and plays well somewhere else. But what if Barcelona do basically put all of their future that already isn't in the club? And they do certainly have a good future. But if they do put off that big forward that is young and good and ready to come, and then all of a sudden in two years, you've got no Ansu, no Rafinha, Messi's ready to leave, Robert Lewandowski's 37, and what do you have left? Abde hasn't developed, and there is obviously a world in two or three seasons where if Barcelona does not recoup funds, they can't go out and spend on the next big star, whoever it may be. Because as I've said before, with the Holland and Mbappe generation, there is a drop-off whether it's Jonathan David. I mean, that's the next class you're talking about when you talk about forwards of that certain generation. Lewandowski is still doing it at the highest level. He is. It was him and Benzema. People criticizing Benzema for Real Madrid, sure, but Benzema's an older player. Other players like that in that situation are not expected to contribute the way that Real Madrid expecting him to contribute. Same thing with Lewandowski or Barcelona, but those are greats, and those greats have not been replaced in world football. It really is just Erlen Holland. And I think, again, that next step down it's kind of a flash in the pan. Who are you going to get? Who's going to make sense? Even Endrick, as we talked about, he was supposed to be next up, but he hasn't really scored too many goals. And he's only still 16 years old. So everyone's got to relax on him. That's why I'm saying Vita Roca or Messi. Yeah, of course, once again, in a vacuum, it's Messi every time. But what are you going to be doing two, three, four years from now? Those are what I'm always worried about because I've been hosting the show for six years. And I can tell you the poor planning is something that I saw years ago. That's why I went crazy about Coutinho. Because I said, no way, no way. Even if Coutinho is awesome, that much money for that player is not going to help you in the long run. I hated it then. I still hate it today. And I don't hate Coutinho. I hate the move. For the money and the profile and everything that went into that transfer. One of the worst in the history of football. And again, that has nothing to do actually with Coutinho, whether he succeeded or failed at Barcelona. Which does bring up the next question. Again, another question that I would implore people to respond with and let me know. What is a successful window of players coming into the club. So let's say Barcelona have done it. They've sold Rafinha for $80 million. They've reduced the salaries of Ter Stegen and De Jong, extended those contracts and reduced the annual salary, the gross salary, so they can better fit the legal limit standards. Same thing with Jordi Alba. He's either taking a big pay cut or he's willing to take some kind of buyout from Barcelona. That's, we'll say, an, a fifth of what he would have made this season. And then he goes to Atletico Madrid for whatever number they're willing to pay him. And Barcelona take care of their financial business. Of course, Busquets comes off the books and we find out PK, Griezmann, whatever. And we also find out that Barcelona have other ways to make revenue in the coming season. And that financial plan makes a lot of sense where there's not a lot of variables about Barcelona making the Champions League final or whatever that was approved last year about them making the semifinal or the quarterfinal. That everything is static. They know exactly what they're going to make and it all works out. So what would my dream be? Because that's, again, what people want to do too, right? Hope. They want to dream that this transfer window, if the club says it's big, it's big. So what would my dream be if the club says, oh, we, we knocked it out of the park. We did great here. As I said, with a few of those names going out, I would actually include Ferran Torres in the dream situation of heading out. Not because I dislike him, but you want to make room for the players that are coming in. So I think Ferran Torres, Rafinha, Busquets out, as well as Alba, I mean, yeah, I'd ship off Alonso as well, especially with Inigo Martinez kind of already coming in. But I wouldn't say that 31-year-old Inigo Martinez is part of my dream scenario. I don't wake up and say I'm dreaming of the Basque left-footed center back. No, but a dream situation would be to bring him in and be able to get, I mean, who knows, something from Marcos Alonso, maybe even $4 million, or you paid $6 million for him, I believe. So maybe you get $3 million for him or whatever it may be, just something and get his wages off the books as well. Which, what is my dream situation? I think... 
based on the talent that is around, the talent that is available, the talent that Barcelona has been linked with. I'm taking all that into account. My dream situation would be Zubamendi, Arna Martinez, Messi, Gundogan, and Vita Roca. I think if Barcelona, along with Nico Martinez, as I said, we, we add him in, Marcos Alonso swap those two out. If Barcelona were to get all six of the players, they've been linked to all six of them at some time or another. Arna Martinez is probably not going to happen, as I've said before. And there is no way the club can afford all those players. So the dream kind of dies right there. But as I said, if you're dreaming and saying Barcelona have gotten all their business done financially, they've made it all work and able to bring in six players, which I guess isn't that many, really, especially if they shipped out five or six as well. And I've already mentioned who those five or six would be for me to make it all make sense. So yeah, I think if they brought in those six players, I think Barcelona with Gunigan, Messi, Zubamendi, Arna Martinez, Inigo Martinez, uh, and even Vita Roca, I think next season Barcelona is competing for a Champions League. And so that's why I already said dream. That's why that dream doesn't make any sense because Barcelona cannot financially bring in all of those players. They can't even bring in just Zubamendi. Gunigan would come on a free, but his wages are still going to be pretty high, which means you really, truly wage-wise might have to choose between Messi and Gunigan. Vita Roca, I think... I still think it is very likely, especially with Deco coming in as sporting director, I think it is very likely that he is bought next January and then loaned back for the rest of the Brazilian season to arrive in the preseason for 2024-25. I really do think that makes the most sense for him, even for his development. Just continue to knock in those goals in the Brazilian league for a whole nother year. But know, come January, that you are going to be arriving to Barcelona over next summer, that being. So about a year and a half from now, I could see Vita Roca on the doorstep of arriving at Barcelona, having that contract already been signed in January. And I would almost argue that getting that deal done in January and basically having him agree to it now, and then just bringing in the likes of Zubamendi, Arna Martinez, Inigo Martinez, Messi, and Gundogan, and those five would still be a dream situation for me. Because I think bringing back Messi and having Lewandowski in the team with Dembele, I mean, who knows who's going to stay between Ansu Ferran and Rafinha, but having... A bunch of those players, even Abde, again, some of them would not be staying all at the same time, but then trying to bring Vita Roca, his development is completely going to stall. So yeah, I would give him until the 2024-25 season. Because yes, learning under Lewandowski and Messi would be great for his development in a way. I also think that just being the guy in the Brazilian top division for a full another year, the age of, I think he'll be 21 next year, that makes more sense to me than learning in training and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's important to get accustomed to it, but it's a lot easier to bring a player who wants to be there, that wants to learn, and that's been at a high level and is himself at a high level, confident in his own boots as a forward, to have that guy come in and you ask him to be the man in your system if he wants to be is a lot easier than A, bringing somebody like Zantan in who never really wanted to be a part of that system, or B, asking somebody to learn underneath more experienced players like Lewandowski who are ruthless, who don't need to give Vita Roca even a minute. Why? I mean, yeah, Lewandowski can impart wisdom upon him for when it's time for him to be gone, but that means Vita Roca is not going to get a chance until, I mean, looking at Lewandowski's contract, he himself is 23, 24 years old, and then what are we doing with that time? Last two questions here as we wrap this up. Will we see any other players on the fringes down the stretch? Again, this was a question for the guy in the know, but I would say you are going to see Pablo Torre. You're going to see Estanas Pedrola. I don't know how much you're going to see those two. Unfortunately, Anhar Alakan is out injured. And Lamine Yamal is currently lighting up the U17 Euro. So you will not see Lamine Yamal for the rest of the season with the first team or Anhar Alakan, who is going to be out for another two or three months. And that's a tough one too, because Alakan has a ton of potential. But now you're adding to Araujo and Pedri and players Dembele that cannot stay healthy. Alakan has gained that reputation 
Of course, the ACL is a bigger thing than anything else, but he's also had other knocks in his early, early young career. He's still just 19 years old, and he's already had a number of long-term injuries and short-term injuries. And those guys that get those short-term injuries over and over again, like a Pedri, who doesn't fully ever seem fit, seems like he may not be fully fit for Real Sociedad tomorrow either. I mean, those are the ones you worry. You cannot stockpile your team with too many of those. And even for all the potential that Alakon has, you hope that he can finally figure those things out. But unfortunately, yeah, you will not be seeing him for the rest of the year. But Pablo Torre, as I said, I expect him, I don't know about starts, but I do expect him to come off the bench in a few more matches down the stretch here. And then Estados Pedrola, I do expect him also to not get a start, but maybe get a minute or two. That said, Estados Pedrola is tied for a leading goal scorer for Barca Athletic. So there's also a chance that Rafa Marquez just keeps him down there because it looks like they are going to be in a promotion playoff sooner than later. seems like Barca B is, well, they are truly two wins away from finishing the season in those spots. And then, yeah, I would keep Asadas Pedrola, <laughs> have him get the best experience of trying to make a difference there as opposed to seven minutes or 10 minutes or whatever with the first team. Yes, those times are invaluable, but he has also done that already now on two occasions. And then lastly, what can Barcelona learn from Man City versus Real Madrid? Nothing, <laughs> right? I mean, I know people were doing this whole thing about Pep Guardiola, and I think I agree with the sentiment that, thank goodness, he's a Kool-Aid, because Real Madrid probably would have tried to snatch him up a few years ago, and thank goodness that that manager is not somebody that Real Madrid's ever going to have. So, yeah, that makes me feel good. I don't want to do it again about the Man City stuff and about how uncomfortable having a team like that. I'm not even talking about who they're owned by. I'm just talking about a team that seems to have unlimited money and what that means about building a squad, about being able to play football manager with your teams. I think Barca, to a point, can be accused of that, especially in Spain. So it's hypocritical for me to say that because Barcelona do. They, if they like another Spanish talent, start talking about Zupamendi. How hypocritical for a Barcelona fan to say, oh, it'd be a dream to have Zupamendi arrive and strip Real Sociedad of one of their best players. And that's a team that could be and should be in the Champions League next season. Barcelona didn't make the knockout stage of the Champions League. Why would Real Sociedad say, hey, Barcelona can't make the knockouts. Maybe next year we can make the knockouts. And we'd like to have Zubamendi to do it. If he's going to go out in the group stage next year, would you rather have him do it with Real Sociedad, his hometown club, the club he wants to be at? Or would you have him fill a dream and get knocked out in the group stage? This is what a Real Sociedad fan, I think, is fairly, fairly saying. I think there's credence to all of those things. So I think it is hypocritical for me to say Man City, they're able to build these super teams with a limitless amount of money, sure. I think the way that Man City and PSG will say ruin football is that everything is about just the Champions League. I think their success, I know that people say, oh, but DPL, anybody can win it. But can they? <laughs> right? Can they really? Because yes, Man City doesn't win every season. Liverpool had their day. Man United, historically, sure. I mean, Man City is recent history, but Man City should win the EPL. They're favorites to win the EPL every year, and they will continue to do so as long as they have the pockets they have. And PSG in Liga, not to say they ruined Liga, because yeah, Lille won it a few years ago, and other people can win it. But I almost can say the same thing about the Bundesliga and Bayern Munich. At least La Liga, I will always defend. It is Real Madrid or Barcelona, sure. But it could be one of the two. Atletico Madrid, it could be one of the three. So yes, there's not the parity that anybody wants, but none of these top leagues. Even the Eredivisie has Ajax. And Feyenoord made history by winning again. But Feyenoord, an historically gigantic club. It's Feyenoord, it's PSV, it's Ajax, and that's it. That's who wins in the Netherlands. In the same way, again, that Spain, it's two plus or two and a half teams, Atletico Madrid being the other half a team. So with the EPL, it is now just Man City or someone else will win the title. 
if it's the Bundesliga, it's Bayern Munich is going to win it. Or, yeah, maybe Borussia Dortmund wins it. Or maybe Mucha Gladbach, but more likely it's Dortmund who would win it if not for Bayern Munich. And in France, depending on the year, it's someone else may win it that's not PSG, but that's unlikely. So I think, for me, the frustration with Man City, just going beyond the dark money, so I've talked about before, and, and I'm not here to lecture about ethics, but my frustration with Man City is that the Champions League is everything. That's the only thing left to conquer. That's the only thing left they have to do. And so football fans, by making everything about the Champions League, the irony becomes that the ratings this season for the Champions League are down globally across the board. So it seems like people say the Champions League is everything. And talking heads like me on a podcast are talking about Champions League glory. And it seems like everybody wants that. And yet nobody's watching those matches anymore. And yet less people are watching those matches than ever before. As if the Champions League being the only show in town is diluting that championship as well. Because if your team isn't in it, then nothing else matters. And people seem to have, I mean, and and I don't know, maybe people are less engaged with football because of all of that. So this is just me hypothesizing all of that after watching the Man City-Real Madrid game. Yeah, I'm always happy when Real Madrid loses. I wasn't, again, over the moon that Man City won, but I think for Pep's legacy, as much as I feel like I'm frustrated that he sold out with Bayern Munich and with Man City and he hurt his legacy by doing things like that, I obviously always want Pep Guardiola to succeed. And there are other players in the squad that you just appreciate. You appreciate Kevin De Bruyne. You appreciate Bernardo Silva. Holland's Holland. But there are other players in that team. Akanji, again, just players that are fun to watch because they're just really high-level quality players that are enjoyable to see play. Rodri, just a good team. That's what they are in Man City. And they're enjoyable to watch. And when you talk about the soul of football, why I think they're corroding it, they played a beautiful game on Wednesday. It was enjoyable to watch. It was enjoyable to watch them use that game, that style, to put Real Madrid to the sword. So that's what I got out of the game. That's what I learned. Thank you so much for listening to this one. Again, I would have loved to be speaking to somebody else, but life happens. Cancellations happen. I do have a guest, guaranteed. (laughs) We're going to review the Real Sociedad match, and then you'll be hearing that likely Sunday night, Monday morning. So it's not too long. You get this one done. Hopefully you listen to it on double speed. So, you know, it's only a dog walk to have to listen to me today. But like normal, I always want to remind you, I have a lot cooking for the summertime. I'm excited to kind of, not to say restart some stuff, but having that extra bit of time does allow me to kind of reset, figure out where things are and try some things out and experiment. So I'm looking forward to those things. As I always say with this show, answer those questions for me in the Facebook group, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, hit me up wherever you can find me. Again, joining Patreon as well. If you send me a message on Patreon, I always respond. I always see it and I always respond. That's the best way to get to me. Of course, it does take $3 or something, but yeah, I mean, it also supports the show. You know that. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, it'd be a big help if you do that. I'm always really honest about this behind the scenes stuff. Over the summertime, I am looking to find a way to bring in additional sponsors to the YouTube channel and having... 15,000 subscribers is a lot easier in those conversations than 13,800. So if you could just share this show or share the YouTube channel to whatever, you're not family and friends, but to whoever you are on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is, any bit of Reddit, especially sharing the show on my behalf and having people who might trust you subscribe to the show as fellow fans is a lot more helpful than me just kind of spamming people and 
pleading and asking because again, I'm asking because obviously I want to keep doing it and I want to keep giving you that content. So those are the kind of things that are always helpful. And it's funny because people do tell me that I don't bother and I don't push things enough. <laughs> like I had friends who said, oh, you have a merch store? I've been a Patreon for a year. I didn't hear it a merch store. And that's just kind of how it is. So I do appreciate everyone for listening to the show and being with me. Even if you just listen to the free show, I appreciate you. That's all you have to know. I appreciate you, even if you're just listening to the free show. But until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Or Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.